Most of our listeners will have heard of Roswell and the flying saucer that allegedly crashed in 1947. Some may be aware also of the reported second flying saucer that crashed in the vicinity around the same time. Fewer people still will have heard of Ebert though, the extraterrestrial recovered still alive from one of those crashes. Join myself and Neil as we try to determine if Eber even existed at all. And this week's episode is brought to us by our Explorer of the Week, Toby Foams. Now, Toby has helped to make this podcast a reality and is continuing to help us move forward and make more and more episodes into the future. If you want to be like Toby, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and pick a tier that suits you. We have all kinds of awards and rewards at different tiers available out there for everyone, including Explorer of the Week, which as I say is this week, Toby Foams. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello listeners and welcome back to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at the mysterious skies and everything UAP, UFO, IAP, IFO and related conspiracies. Um, My name is Neil Kelly, I'm one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Stu Jackson. And uh, forgot to mention, we do quite enjoy the odd uh, pint of IPA as well. That too, yeah. Should have mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, India Pale Ale for our mm. for our um, foreign listeners. It's it's beer. It's yes, beer. it is. Beer. It's ale. It's it's, it's yeah. Is it? It's, it's beer, isn't it? Really, it's um. It's made with hops. Well, bear in mind that Americans be... call lager beer. No, so do I. Dear. So do I. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. We can no Mainly because you know, if if I was in <laughs> if I was in Germany or Holland or Belgium, the home of of great beer, and I asked for a lager, they wouldn't know what I was talking about. Even though most of their beers would be classified as a lager, we're ready to call it beer. Okay. Fair enough. I uh, to me, beer is like bitter. It's mm. in, in fact, in Belgium. The, the, I mean, it would be like going into a restaurant and saying, I want food. 
we we see Americans, don't we? We see Americans go to a bar in movies and they say, give me a beer. Well, if you went into an English pub or a Belgian pub and said, give me a beer, that'd be like going to a restaurant and say, give me some food. (laughs) Specifically, what would you like? We have lots of different kinds. But yeah. Absolutely. But now we've we've clarified now what IPA means. It also doesn't mean isopropyl alcohol, which is something I use quite in fact I've got a bottle of it right here. There we go. Uh, isopropyl alcohol. Isopropyl can, can... alcohol. It was ninety nine point nine eight percent isopropyl alcohol. Quite a lot. Right. So add that to your beer for an extra little kick. No, no. And, no, uh, and you'll not, probably drop dead. Do because... not do that, listeners. For the was it, was it in Austria but where, where someone was um, fortifying his wine with antifreeze? Oh, uh, France, Basically. I think. I remember. I seem to remember. Didn't someone was, go was blind thinking... because of it? Oh, God, yeah, they'll do that. I imagine mm, yes. isopropyl alcohol will do that too. Yes, or wood alcohol, alcohol will or, it yeah. kill you um, <laughs> in a yeah. nutshell. Um, no, I use it for cleaning electronics when I do my like retro console repairs and things like that. Blimey, really, really handy all the gear, all the gear. Um, but yes, yeah, mm. so we've we've covered quite a few um, TLAs or three-letter acronyms already. Hmm. Uh, we're here today to discuss another one, aren't we? Yes, uh, EBE. EBA. EBA, as, as he was known. EBA. EBA. I, I always thought it was EBA, but then um, hearing people talk about... I'm saying him, um, I believe uh, hmm. it was male. Um but yeah, Eber is, I think, the. Would it um, just in, in at the risk of digressing? Would that differ between the British and American readers? I know Americans will tend to use um, initials rather than, um, whereas in Britain we tend more to use a, a shortened form. For instance, uh, we would call a television a telly. They'd call it a TV. We would call a video recorder the video. They'd call it the VCR. That kind of thing. Would they, they they insist on calling it the EBE? Well, it was American people that I've I've heard referring to him as EBE. I mean, it is a three letter acronym. Stands for hmm, extraterrestrial biological entity. Um, yes. So this um, let's give a bit of background to this. Uh, so Roswell. New Mexico, mm. uh, very, very famous UFO crash um, in 1947. Mm. What a lot of people don't know, and you know, maybe this is going to be the subject of a future episode or even uh, Aliens Explored Live on stage, which we've <laughs> discussed. Okay. Um, there was a second UFO crash. In Roswell, uh, in uh, is it Kroger? In is the area, I believe. I don't know. I mean, there were there were claims that um, the Air Force, the Roswell, was it the RAAF, the the Roswell Air Airfield, whatever it is, um, 
they they claim to have initially claimed to have recovered a flying saucer mm-hmm. and then retracted that claim and said it was a balloon. Now, 1947 was the year of uh, there was a wave of UFOs um, starting mm. with the sighting with a guy who first coined the term flying saucers. Suddenly there was a whole wave of people reporting these things. But um, the Roswell thing didn't really gain prominence until the late 70s. That's when it really mm-hmm. captured the popular imagination. Yes. Uh, yes, it did. And it's it's curious how that's happened. But hmm. but this second crash, so it, it's been associated really heavily with the first one. There are different there are different stories depending on who you speak to about this, which is unsurprising. Hmm. Some people say that the first Roswell flying saucer. Uh, the first Roswell mm. craft was brought down by an EMP with there with the three letter acronyms again, mm. um, electromagnetic pulse. You you get that as a side effect from nuclear missiles, I believe, from nuclear explosions. From a nuclear um, explosion, yeah. That's that's one way of generating one. Um, but essentially, an electromagnetic pulse will wipe out all electronics within a certain radius. Uh, so mm. as a weapon, that's quite a dramatic thing. Um, in fact, I think one of the biggest threats with nuclear detonation is if a nuclear sort of missile or bomb went off above a city, rather than landing in the city, if it went off above, it would essentially wipe out all the electronics. Mm. Um, I mean, if that were, if that was London, for example, that'd be it'd wipe out, you know. There's a lot of financial things go on in London, obviously. I, I mean, you're talking about an atmospheric nuclear explosion that's way too high for any of the blast or heat wave to reach us. Yes. But the EMP yes. would reach us. E- exactly, yes. There, there was that interesting case in um, around about 1980, 81, where a Soviet pilot defected to... He flew, he flew his new jet to Japan, and it was this jet called the fox bat this, this new me and um when when american air intelligence people examined it they thought this must be a hoax they're they're having us on that first of all this thing's made of steel which they said, well, it's better than wood but that's not really what you make modern jet aircraft out of and also it had very old it didn't really have electronics it had electrics it was mm. really primitive um, I think it had valves instead of transistors and, and this sort of thing. But then um, it was a long time before they realised, actually, this plane wouldn't be affected by EMP. That mm. this plane was designed for the nuclear battlefield, that where everything, everyone else would just be dropping out the sky, this thing would keep going, if, assuming the pilot wasn't roasted. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the people have started mitigating against... Well, they did for a while back, forty odd years ago, forty-five. Well, it was so a, it was a real threat back in the eighties. Yeah, I remember. Now, I was looking at the Roswell report, which is you know, can you can get it from media.defense.gov. Um, it's a huge document. In fact, mm-hmm. it's so huge it's difficult to navigate. It's a thousand pages, and every time you try and move to the next page, you get you spiral through fifty pages or something. Um, one of the claims that was made about the wreckage that was found was that it was um, a balloon. We know that story. They said it was a balloon. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the 
they said it was part of the Mogul project. I think it was the Mogul project. Project which Mogul, was yeah. Project Mogul, which was we want to monitor um, Soviet nuclear tests because the, the, the Soviets have got the bomb. Klaus Fuchs has passed them all the, the atom bomb spies, passed the Soviets the secrets. However, the Soviets didn't successfully test um, a, a nuclear, an atom bomb until two years after, until August 1949. Mm. Actually, my birthday, the 29th of August 1949. <laughs> There's a bit of personal information I've passed across for anyone who wants to hack my bank account. Or... <laughs> if they can do that yeah. with your birth date, then... <laughs> yeah. Fair. Well, yeah. It, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's going a little bit so into that's, the that's... first Roswell crash, which... Um, mm. It is not the one word because we're not really got onto the actual subject here yet. Um, mm. So there was a second crash. So the, the so this theory. This is where I was going with this. This theory that um, the first craft was brought down by an EMP, a, an anti flying saucer um, weapon. Um, this theory goes that the second craft was came along to retrieve the first one and was also brought mm-hmm. there is another theory depending on who you speak to that says that actually there were two craft and this emp caused them to crash into each other then there are different stories some people say the second crash was discovered a few days later. Some people Mm. say it was discovered a couple of years later. Mm. Now, those that tend to say a few days later um, also talk about... I mean, we've all seen... In fact, we did an episode about uh, the alien autopsy and and the, uh, the bodies that were removed from the wreckage. But in the second crash... Uh, it is alleged there was a survivor, this Eber, mm. uh, who was then taken to Los Alamos Air Base, uh, where he lived for a number of years, uh, about five years, died in 1952, um, shared with us a bit of knowledge about the universe, obviously, or top secret stuff. Um, but yeah, and, and there's a, a particular lieutenant who's come forward and sort of verified or verbally verified this, uh, Lieutenant Richard French. Um, yeah, but, uh, Eber claimed that they were about 50,000 years ahead of us in technology. But we're still able to bring down their craft. Well, an EMP... I mean, an EMP, interestingly, um, would have been very much ahead of its time in 1947. An EMP-specific weapon, yeah. Were they even aware of its potential as a weapon in 1947? There are... uh, So, a lot of this goes kind of quite a way down the rabbit hole um, Mm. of conspiracy theory. But if the government has been aware of um, 
UFOs, UAPs, alien visitation. Let's go with alien visitation. Um, Mm. If they have been aware for some time, then they would have been working on some way of defending against them, naturally. But do Um, we have EMP weapons that can work without setting off a nuclear explosion? We do now, yeah. But we didn't have... Do we? Do we have that? Do we have a... Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we have. I'm sure I've heard about this. It's one of the reasons why a lot of these things have to be shielded, like aircraft, and they have to have shielding. I'm, I'm sure I've heard about this. Um, You're looking very doubtful at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know as part of the, the Star Wars project, but that did involve actually setting off a nuclear weapon in space. They also had um, an anti-missile satellite, and basically what would happen would would be it would, it would explode mm-hmm. you know, quite a long way from from its target, but it would be it would have um, a, a lens that would be aimed at that target, and in that split second before the thing gets blown apart, obviously the first part of a nuclear explosion is the flash. The flash would be directed as a concentrated beam that was. How the weapon perhaps, would work. Perhaps that's the way it works. Then I, I. But they, they certainly didn't have that in nineteen forty. They hadn't even put up a satellite in nineteen forty-seven. So, well, <laughs> so it's claimed. Uh, like I say, that is a fair way down the rabbit hole. But um, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I think the only person who'd ever put anything in orbit in nineteen forty-seven was Werner von Braun. <laughs> I mean, don't forget that we've also um, seen in in more recent times um, technologies, it's alleged, that can Hmm. knock um, alien craft off course. That that's happened with satellites. Falling satellites have been diverted um, to white sands and things like that. There was that one about the missile that went astray. It was claimed that that was an anti-alien vessel aircraft. Sorry, who, who claimed that? Uh, I can't remember who specifically. We talked mm. about it on the episode. Yeah, when, think... uh, yeah, I can't remember which episode it was now, but um, we did talk about that one. There was a missile mm. that got diverted. It was... Um, Oh, 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 no, I can remember. Uh, Philip J. Corso? No, David Adair. David Adair. Hmm. When his missile got uh, diverted. There were claims that that could have been anti-UFO technology. So, yeah, the the concept of anti-UFO technology is not new. No, but if they're 50,000 years ahead of us, that, that's the equivalent of um, a lost, a forgotten tribe somewhere in the Pacific paddling out in their war canoes to take down a nuclear submarine or throwing their spears and bringing down a, a stealth bomber, you know, with their, their blowpipes or whatever. A, weapon, a weaponry must be puny compared to, to what they've got. And even well, even if they come from civilizations that have long since passed through the... 
the the phase where they're in danger of destroying themselves, they would still know, they would still be aware of our technology. Oh, yeah, they've got that. Okay, well, that's how you counter this, counter that. Have well, you seen um, the day the, the day the Earth stood still when they yes. capture the alien and the consequences that follow? Yeah, yeah, with Gork. But, you know, um, yeah, Gork <laughs> comes along and yeah, yeah. takes some um, part. Well, I mean, that's the thing you say they would know what our technology is, and and that's mm. that's kind of the point where, where you do go down the rabbit hole um, and say, well. No, they know what might know what publicly technology we have. I mean, it isn't it always the case that where the government is with technology. I mean, look at stealth fighters as as a perfect mm. example. They were around in the sixties. Now the public weren't aware of them till the eighties. But the um, technology sure existed twenty years before. I mean, America was fighting a war in the 1960s and losing mm. lots of planes to anti-aircraft fire. Um, stealth technology might have helped a bit with that. Well, I'm not saying they had many of them, but but mm. isn't that now public well, that, they record? Didn't, they, that they that didn't technology have it was in, available. They, they didn't have it in a form that was generally available to the military. That, um, not yeah, the North generally Vietnam. available. No, it might not have been cost-effective, but that doesn't say that they didn't exist. And isn't that always the case, that the military have technology that is 20, 30, 40 years ahead of what's out there in the public domain? Well, I mean, most of the technology we enjoy has been developed by the military. Mm. Smartphones, internet, you know, and yep. th- there's no way um, a commercial firm would would be able to, to um, dedicate the resources to developing things like that. So it, it's... We kind of got, as, as uh, Noam Chomsky said, we got a kind of state capitalism. The military are developing all this technology. Obviously, it accelerates in wartime because uh, money is no option. Mm. Oh, yeah, money is no object, I should say. Object, yeah. <laughs> um, that's why yeah, the that. Second World War, we, yeah, we started with biplanes and horse-drawn armies and ended up with, with jets and ballistic missiles and nuclear weapons. Well, we only got those things Six years later, the Germans did them. And then we got the yeah, German but, scientists, the Nazi scientists. Yeah, I mean... Like, so like well, the, I mean yeah, but, you know, the, the British developed jet engines just around the same time. They were just not eager to use them. They were more concerned about jet planes being shot down and being reverse-engineered by an enemy, mm. even though the enemy already had them. You know, the British jets never... Never flew beyond the shores of Britain in the Second World War. Mm. Pure air so, defence. So there you go. Right. Um, that <laughs> that kind of yeah. potentially answers that one. Uh, you know, could they have had this technology? Well, yes, yes, and it could have been secret. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, if they, yeah, they send they send someone to have a look, <laughs> go over there, take a shifty. Um, yeah, the, the the little EB doesn't come back, and they think, well, shall we shall we go and get him, or shall we? Um... I mean, if they're if they're more concerned with maintaining a low profile, and they know that um, the people who have captured him are going to be obsessively secret, and they're not going to tell anyone about it, 
I don't know. Then, yeah, then, then you get into the idea, well, did, did we come to some, did the, the, the American military come to some sort of arrangement with um, the extraterrestrials to say, well, you know, he's staying with us. We're learning a lot from him. Let's not, let's not go to war over this. We've no idea what he was doing. We, we just assume if there wasn't Eber that he was here to observe. Okay. That's a reasonable assumption to make, I think. Um, but in the wreckage, it, did they find anything that looked like a propulsion system? Or I mean, all the reports I'm reading, it just looks like balloon debris. It's rubber and foil and bits of wood and wire. Well, that, that's what they would say, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's into the Bob Lazar sort of territory where they found the downed craft. And hmm. Bob Lazar was um, helping to reverse engineer its propulsion. Right. So, yeah. But the whole thing, that, so this episode specifically is, is about Eber uh, rather than hmm. Roswell and like, was there one crash, two crashes, what caused them, all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, so this, uh, this Lieutenant Richard French has come forward hmm. and said... Yeah, he was there. He taught us things about, you know, our place in the universe and about the wider universe and died after about five years. Mm. It's a curious claim to make. It's a very curious claim to make. So if he was you... not telling the truth... Mm. Why would he make something like that up? Yeah, why do people make anything up? I mean, when governments act in secretive ways, they they invite conspiracies, don't they? As soon as someone says, "Wait a minute, that doesn't add up," um, it opens the door for someone to just suggest anything. I mean, we're saying it's. It, Conspiracy theories are at their peak at the moment, aren't they? Well, All sorts yeah, of stuff that the governments are claiming that isn't being believed by large numbers of people on well, fundamental yeah, they, things. To be fair, this isn't a new claim. I mean, um, Lieutenant French came forward a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago. Hmm. But we don't know, do we? We can't verify it. The, the, the US Air Force says, no, we never had any such thing, officially. Mm. The, the, I mean, the, the thing that I, I did latch onto was this thing about the balloon, that it was supposed to be observing nuclear tests, which hadn't even begun, wouldn't begin mm -hmm. for another two years on the part of the Soviets. And even with when they did... Those, I think those nuclear tests were carried out in somewhere like Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. So that balloon's got a long way to go. And if, if these things fly up to 60-odd thousand feet and then burst because the air inside them expands or the gases inside them expand, yeah. um, well, it's not going to make it to Kazakhstan, is it? And Or even if they're observing their own tests, well, they're out way out in the Pacific. What's it doing in in New Mexico? Well, our friend and patron, uh, Toby, uh, has explained mm. to us that uh, basically it's to do with the external pressure. So as you go up, there is less pressure being mm. externally applied to the balloon. Yeah. So it's not so much that 
it expands. It's just that the internal pressure isn't equalized to the external yeah, pressure. Anymore. It becomes less equal. And it, it, it pops as a result. Um, so he, he's explained to us that if you want a balloon to go up really high, you just you put less gas in it, basically. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. So I imagine that, yeah, they would know how to do that. Um, do you know what? I'm going to argue a case for a balloon here. Uh, I can feel myself doing it. Because if, okay, it's two years before the Soviets are actually testing, they would want to know that their observation devices were operational and where better to do that than over where they themselves are doing nuclear testing. I suppose, yeah, they were testing. Um, I mean, Las Vegas mm. was the best place to go and watch nuclear tests, wasn't it? Because they were doing it yeah. out in the Nevada desert. Yeah, well, White so, Sands, just White up the Sands, road, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yes, yeah. I'm arguing, Kate, in favour of a weather balloon at Roswell. I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> to be fair, mm. I don't believe it was a weather balloon. Not for one moment. Not for one damn second. Just like the recent ones that were shot down, that was not a balloon. Well, one of them was. And well, well, the balloon was a balloon. The other three that were not balloons. Mm. No, and I don't believe the government's official line on that for a second. Yeah, so I mean, there is unfortunately with this story of Eba, there is very, very little to go on. Um, yeah, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, if there was an Eba, they kept it very quiet. I mean, it's which they would. They absolutely would. Um, if it's true, though, it would suggest a number of things. Um, it would suggest, above all else, that that particular alien type, um, extraterrestrial type, is benign at least. Because otherwise, why would they be happily sharing, you know? Oh, yes, we're 50,000 years mm. ahead of you in technology where, you know, yeah. here's, you know, some, th- some bit of information about the universe. Why else would they do that? Well, it will just kind of happen by accident that, yeah, we, uh, I actually came here to watch what you were doing, but uh, I crashed my craft. So I'll tell you what we're doing. Now that I'm your kind prisoner of. or your, it, your it, guest. Well, yeah, it, it's an, it, it's a curious one, that. Um, and if it is the case that a new anti-flying saucer weapon, a secret anti-flying saucer weapon was being tested, then the first one crashes... The aliens would think, oh dear, one's crashed, we don't know why, let's go and retrieve it. Second one comes along, also gets hit by the weapon. Well, now they know, oh shit, the humans have got something that can bring us down. We just better not send a third one. Um, If they're 50,000 years advanced to us, I would say, well, okay, they've got this weapon, let's take that weapon out first. All right. Um, I don't believe... we better not do another they... one until we've developed a strategy or or developed a way also, of dealing with it. 
Um, just just talking about terrestrial pilots. If you're sent on a spy mission, um, mm-hmm. you've got your mission. You're going to go. You're going to fly this route. You're going to observe this. You're going to take pictures of that, whatever, and come back. Yeah. If you get shot down, you're going to keep stum. If you get if you fall into enemy hands, um, what you're not going to do is share our technology and our, our knowledge with whoever captured you. I would imagine that would have been vetoed. Right. So that he would so, have had no the, the Eber, he, she, it would have had no no <laughs> discretion to to share anything. Um off off the cuff. You're thinking like a human though. Yeah, of course you're I'm not thinking, thinking like a human, yeah. about uh, a being that has evolved 50,000 years ahead of where we are today. You're thinking in a warlike militaristic way. Well, no, I'm just you're, thinking... I mean, you're, you're instantly said, like, well, if they're observing, well, it must be the enemy they're observing. Why? What if it's uh, an anthropological survey? Well, he's certainly treated like an enemy. They certainly would have known he would have been treated like an enemy. This is, this is. Ah. let's make, make no mistake about it, this is a combat mission. They're going to shoot at you. Just because we treat them like an enemy doesn't mean to say yeah. that they treat us like an enemy. No, but they, they have to be ready to counter a warlike response, even if they're not going to counter it in a warlike way. Maybe they've got a hive maybe, mind. Maybe maybe he knows the minds of his superiors or whatever, his equals, that um, you know, once he's captured, you know, the, the, the shared brain waves say, yeah, tell them about this, tell them about that. Possibly. Um I just think, I don't know. I think that that sort of thinking is applying human thinking. Um, we're also assuming um, divergent technologies. Um, you know, you're saying, well, how? why would it be so easy? Well, that's not to say that their technology has evolved along the same sort of route as ours. What if theirs is an organic technology, for example, that... They've never come across electricity before. Maybe that's something unique to this planet. You know, I, I'm I'm spitballing, but you know, and presumably they haven't developed in a warlike way that they would have had no concept of of possibly. fighting over lines on a map or who's got the best imaginary friend or yeah. whatever. <laughs> you know, they're not going to fight. They're not going to fight wars over religions and kingdoms and. And things like maybe, they, they, maybe they don't not. have that in their history, um, or it's in their very, very distant history that they they don't think like that anymore. But they would have been aware that we think like that, and they would have had their yeah, you know, their ancient historians, their historians who deal with antiquities, who say, oh yes, you know, this uh, this is what we were like a hundred thousand years that ago. That is what they were like at some point. If they had maybe. never yeah. come across that way of thinking before, it would be completely and utterly alien to them. Yeah. Anyway, so I think is it safe to say, Neil, that you don't think Eber existed? Is that a safe bet? I think that's a safe bet, yeah. I mean, there are holes in the story in the official version of events. Well, I would like to know more about these balloons, about, about Project Mogul. Um, mm. I'd like to know more detail, which they're probably not going to release. You mean about um, Roswell that- in general? About Roswell in general, yeah, but um, and what it, what its mission 
was and such, because I would have thought, actually, here's a thing about Roswell. I've just thought of this. What was, I mean, all military bases have some kind of purpose. We're going to put this base here and its strategic mission is to do whatever. If suddenly they find um, they've captured this alien life form, mm-hmm. are they going to say, well, actually just you know, carry on doing your job or we've actually changed our mission? Or we've got to, we got to ca- carry on with our mission as the kind of cover, but in the back we've got to allocate all these more resources towards developing, well, towards dealing with this, this unexpected event. It's an excellent yes. question. So allegedly, he was taken to Los Alamos Air Base, mm. where he was kept um, yeah. until he died. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that with such a being mm. moving that being from one place to another, particularly when you're talking about thousands of miles, mm. inherently has its own risks of discovery you know what if the like if they take it by car what if the car or what if the the truck um has an accident on route wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better just to chuck millions of dollars at that one airbase um because the risk is much less it comes down to a risk assessment yeah, I would have thought they'd have just flown him, you know. Airplanes uh, crash. Might be a small possibility, crash. but, you know, it happens. Um, and don't forget, there's always two sides to a risk assessment. A lot of people forget this. Not only is there the likelihood of it happening, but there is the how catastrophic would it be if it did happen. And on hmm. this particular aspect of any risk assessment, that's going to be off the chart. But with a small chance of it happening. Well, I suppose a much bigger yeah. chance then than there would be now. Well, yeah, but still very, very slim. But it doesn't matter how slim it is. Can you risk that? Can you risk it becoming public? Well, obviously they decided no. no, because it, it hasn't been made public, <laughs> and they deny it to this day. Well, um, that would be my argument anyway. But what do you think, listeners? Did Eber exist? Uh, is there indeed no smoke without fire? Um, or, like Neil, is it all just sounds a bit too much of a tall tale to take seriously? I mean, I'm I'm on the fence with it. I'm very much mm. on the fence. There are a lot of gaps and a lot of holes, and this would very much play into the wishful thinking elements of ufology. Hmm. But at the same time, I don't know. There's just there's something about it that speaks to me. Call it a, an intuition, if you will. <laughs> but we'd love to know what you think, listeners. What are your thoughts on Eber? Had you heard the story about Eber before? Uh, do let us know via the usual means. You can contact us through Facebook and Twitter by searching Aliens Explored. You can go to our Aliens Explored YouTube channel and drop a comment there. Or if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, then you get exclusive access to our Discord server where you can chat about this with with other like-minded people um, and share your thoughts there as well do join us next time though uh, when we'll be looking at quite a prominent figure in ufology 
uh, we'll be looking at investigating journalist George Knapp. So don't miss that one. Looking forward to In the meantime, to... keep on watching those secret bunkers for any extraterrestrial <laughs> biological entities. And of course, keep watching the skies. Take care for now. Catch you next time. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.